we gather this morning, what I had prepared to share with you, I'm not sure we'll get to it this morning. As I prepared, as I had thought about today being a Father's Day and a very special day in that sense, that I wanted to share with you from God's Word things that would apply not only to, to men, but really to all people in the church. Obviously with a special emphasis on the boys and the men in our church. And as I thought about that, my attention was drawn to 1 Timothy chapter 3. But as I was drawn to 1 Timothy chapter 3 and prepared some things I wanted to share from that portion of Scripture... My heart, even this morning, was drawn to the book of Genesis, really preparing us to move into 1 Timothy chapter 3. I had chosen 1 Timothy 3 because it is there that we are told of the qualifications for a pastor. You may wonder, why is it that you would turn to the qualifications for a pastor if you're wanting to speak to the men and all the boys of our church and really all people in our church. And that would be because when you look at that section of Scripture in 1 Timothy 3, it reveals to us the character of a godly man. And really, beloved, when you consider that, we're talking about being a godly man, not a good man necessarily, I mean, a godly man is going to be a good man, but a good man may not be a godly man. And that starts back with having a relationship with God through Christ. And it got me to thinking about manhood, about being just a man. And that really to be the man that God created you to be, to be the person God created you to be, you need to go back to the book of Genesis. So I want you to turn there with me for a little bit this morning in Genesis chapter 2. And as we're thinking about manhood, being a godly man, being the man that God created you to be, being the man that God wants you to be if you're here this morning as a young boy. And we know it is God who created man. We see that in Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis 1 and verse 26, we're told there that God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. So we see, beloved, if you want to understand what it is to be a man... You must first understand that you were created by God, thus you're here for His purpose. You're here for His glory. You're here for Him. 
And you're here and you stay here and you're still living and with us today all because of God. God created you and God sustains you this very moment. And God created man. He created men to work. He created them to worship and to walk with Him. God created man and the wife for Him. And God created man for man to live by the wisdom and the will of God. Thus, for a person, in particularly for a man to be what God has created him to be, He needs to know I am dependent on God and I'm here to work for God. I'm here to worship God. I'm here to to live by the will and the wisdom of God. And not only that, if if God has provided me a wife and I still have a wife in, in my life that is here, that this is something that God has given to me. We see this here in the opening chapters of Genesis. God created man for man to walk and to worship him. For man to live by his wisdom, by his will. It is God, when you look over in Genesis chapter 2, that said in verse 18 that it was not good for the man to be alone, so he made the man a helper suitable for him. It is God that created the woman for the man. And for them together then to rule over the world that God had created. So it is God who established man to be a husband. It is God that established man to be a father. As he speaks there in Genesis 2, 24, For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. God created the the man and his wife to have this relationship. This relationship that that was just filled with joy and blessing. Remember God said over in chapter 1, God blessed them and God said to them in verse 28, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. God created man to be a father, to be a husband. God created man in that relationship between with him and his wife and with his children to be one that was just filled with, with love and joy and, and righteousness and goodness and, and faithfulness. We see when God created the, the relationship between the man and his wife there in verse 25 of chapter 2 that this is a Wonderful relationship. The man and his wife were both naked and they were not ashamed. And the reason why there was no shame there is because there was no sin there. This is a beautiful, innocent relationship that is there. And that's the way God intended it. God intended the man to live with his wife where there would be no shame, no sin. God intended that to be between the the man as the father of his children, the children to their father. This is the way God created man. He created man to work. Look over there in Genesis chapter 2. 
where it tells us that the Lord God in verse 15 took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. Work has always been a part of man's life. God, in the design for man, wanted man from the beginning. So work is not a part of the fall. It is not a consequence of the fall. No, beloved, God always intended for man to work, to cultivate, and to keep the ground to do what it is that God had placed him here to do. But you also notice there in verse 16, that God always from the beginning wanted man to live by the wisdom and the will of God. That is by divine revelation. To live by divine revelation and let God be the one who define this world for him. Define their roles for them. And to live by his wisdom, he says there in verse 16, the Lord God commanded the man saying, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it you shall surely die. Man here was given instruction, divine revelation from God. Here's what you can eat, and here's what you can't eat. I placed you here to do this. I placed you here to work and to cultivate this ground. Man has never, since the moment of his creation, lived or was created to live independent of God. Really, just read back through this in Genesis 1 and 2. Man has this wonderful garden because of God. He was placed in this garden to work it because of God. He was given the wife because of God. He was given the instructions on where he could eat and what he could eat and what he could not eat because of God. He wasn't to define his own reality. He wasn't to define his own wisdom, his own ways of living. God had established this for him because God loved the man and God knew what was best for the man. Not only that, when we get over into Genesis 3 and we see in verse 8 where they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. That when God created man, it was to have a relationship with him. For God, for man to walk with God. For man to, to worship God, just, just walking in obedience to him. This is what God desired as he created man. And again, as we see it in Genesis 1 and 2, we see that everything is right. Everything is good. Everything is innocent. There is no sin. That's why when you come to the end of chapter 2, or the end of chapter 1, what is it that we're told? Verse 31, God saw all that he had made, and that included man. And that included the relationship between the man and the woman that God created. That included the instructions and the divine revelation that God had given to man, that man was going to be living by. God said and saw everything that he had made, everything that he had done, and behold, it was very good. 
Goodness was something that could be an accurate description of the world that man lived in when he was there in the garden. Man was good in that sense. The world he lived in was good. The relationship between the man and his wife was good in the sense of of there was no sin that was there. And so... Gentlemen, I would say to you this morning, if you want to know what is it that God's created me to do here, what am I supposed to be doing here as a man? And if you're a young boy growing into a man, understand God has placed you here and created you here to work for him, to worship him, to walk with him, and to live by his wisdom, his will, by his divine revelation. And now for us, the divine revelation that God gives us is the word of God. And if God so graciously grants you a wife, God has instructions for you there and how you're supposed to live with your wife. Understand, young boys and young men, understand what it says there in Genesis 2. You, if God, unless God's given you the gift of singleness, God is going to bring you a wife. And when he does, you are now supposed to be preparing yourself and we as parents are preparing our kids to leave, to go and establish their own household. Will they be joined together as one? This is the way it was. Again, this is all before the fall. I mean, before the fall, you would have had the, 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 the man, the husband and the wife having relations together, being fruitful, multiplying, raising up their children in the admonition of the Lord, teaching them the things of God, letting them know that they were created by God, what God had told them they could do and they couldn't do, and where they were supposed to eat and how they were supposed to live, and that they were to be worshiping Him and walking with Him and living according to His, his ways. And, and, and then they would raise them up and then they would... Uh, grow up and then they would get married and they would go off and they would start the same thing and the world would just be populated and filled with people who were all living perfectly under the lordship of God. Worshiping Him. But tragically, as we know, when we get to Genesis chapter 3, this all changed. Everything changed because the man and the woman chose to go against the wisdom of God, chose to go against the will of God and the command that God had given them. And as we recall, beloved, back on Mother's Day, when we were talking about mothers and just about womanhood and women in general, we saw that the consequences of sin went directly to these particular areas for women and it does the same thing for men. It does the same thing for men. Think about it. God created you men to worship and to walk with God. But what do we see when we get to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8, as I read there a moment ago, when they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden, the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. 
Something has now happened. Something has changed. Sin has now entered into the world and sin has now separated man from God, his creator. And here it is, God and his compassion coming towards the man and the man is running from God. And understand, gentlemen, Every single one of us, if you're here today without Christ, you are running from God. You're in rebellion against God. You're running away from Him. But God created you for you to have a loving relationship with Him. But the only way now that can happen is through Jesus Christ. You can't be a man that God called you and created you to be just like you can't be the woman God called you and created you to be unless you have come to God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Because sin is now a part of our lives. There was no interest here of the man to worship God as he should have. In fact, we see here man attempted to take things into his own hands. Man knew that he had a sin problem. And what did the man do along with the woman? They, tried, they sewed fig leaves together and, and made themselves loin coverings. They're trying... Think of, the, again, the difference here. The difference in, in, in what they're trying to do. They're trying to cover up their sin. They're trying to cover up their shame. They're trying to cover up their... their what, how they see themselves before God and how they know God now is looking down upon them and they're trying to cover this up. But beloved, again, notice, though they've already covered themselves in verse 7. Look at it. They covered themselves. So they're already covered and yet when God comes on the scene, it says in verse 8, the man and his wife hid themselves and when God says, where are you? He says, I heard the sound of you in the garden and was afraid because I was naked so I hid myself. Naked? You've already got clothes on. You've already put the loin coverings on. You've already done all this. What do you mean you're still naked? Because he knows he's naked before God. He's exposed before a holy, sovereign, righteous God and he can't cover it. You can't do anything on your own. Please hear me. There's nothing you can do that's going to cover that, that's going to cover your shame, cover your guilt, cover your sin. It only can be covered by God. And for us, it's being covered by God through His Son, Jesus Christ. That's when you have that relationship back with God. So hear me, men, for you to be the man God created you to be, you have to be reconciled to God through his son, Jesus Christ. So then you can begin to worship and walk with God the way he created you to worship and walk with him. It's the way you have the renewal of this image of God. As we read there, you, are, you were made in the image of God. But when, you, when man sinned, and now we come here as sinners, the image of God has been damaged. But when somebody puts their faith in Christ... There is the renewal of that image of God and God then begins not only that, the process of sanctifying you and making you more into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. This is why we're here. 
And until we come to Christ, there's no way we can live and be what God has called us to be. Look at the relationship. If you again look back with me for just a moment back in chapter 2 of Genesis. Look at the relationship between the man and his wife. They're both naked. There's no shame. And yet when we come to chapter 3. After they have eaten from the tree that God told them not to eat. Verse 7. The eyes of both of them were open and they now know we're naked. You see something changed. Something radically changed in them. And I'm talking about changed in their nature. You see, now they are sinners. They have a sin nature, something they did not have back in chapter 2 because they could be there naked and there's no shame and now they're there naked and there's shame. The only thing that has changed about them is on the inside of them. And how they see things. That's why they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. The relationship now, this harmonious relationship between the man and his wife that was there has now been broken. And now the man, God created the the wife and the woman for the man, for them to live in this harmonious relationship under the lordship of Christ, now has been damaged as well. It didn't just damage man's relationship with God, it it damaged man's relationship with his wife. Because now we get down here, and as we talked about, whenever God approaches the man, the man blames it on the woman in verse 12. The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me from the tree and I ate. Not only that, we look down in Genesis 3. And notice, remember what he said to the woman? Look down in verse 16 for just a moment. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth and pain you will bring forth children, yet your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. There has now been an impact because of sin on this relationship between the man and the woman. And how they're going to relate to one another. How they're going to live with one another. Before this, at the end of Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 1, everything's good. Everything's good about their relationship. Everybody's living according to their roles, their responsibilities. Everything is going well. I mean, they are getting along perfectly. And now, because of sin, all that's changed. The desires to get outside of their roles and their responsibilities will now be there because of their sin. Thus marriage is going to be harder. Raising children is going to be harder. The very thing God placed man here to do, leave his father and his mother and come together with his wife, be fruitful from that and multiply and fill the earth. All that now has been complicated. It has become way more difficult than the way God originally created for it to be for the man.
you think about it, I mean, as parents, we don't have to teach our kids to disobey. That comes natural. We have to teach them to obey. Whereas before that, they would have come here without a sin nature in that sense, and they would have known to obey. Life has become much more complicated. But here's the good news. That as a man, you can be the husband and the father that God created you to be if you first and foremost have a relationship with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. If you have a relationship with God, you now, by God's grace, have the ability, you're not going to be able to do it perfectly, but you have the ability now to fulfill the, the reason and one of the reasons why God created you and placed you here and if he's given you a wife and if you have children and especially if you still have children at, at home, God has also now, he's given you the grace and the ability to be able to do what it is he's called you to do. But understand, if you're here and you don't know God, and you don't know God as your, in His Son, Jesus Christ, and you don't have a relationship with Him, you cannot be the husband and the father that God has created you to be. You can't do it. You're saying, I can't, you're telling me I can't be a good father and I can't be a good husband without being a Christian? No, I'm not saying you can't be good in the sense of, of, of knowing how to do some things morally. But understand this, beloved, you can't lead your wife if you don't know Christ. And you can't lead your children if you don't know Christ. And that is lead them to Christ and to God. That's why we're here. This is an emphasis for us to go back and to think through and to know if I'm going to be the man God created me to be as a worshiper of God, I have to know Christ. If I'm going to be the man God created me to be as a husband, as a father, then I have to know Christ and be growing in Christ. Living by the wisdom of God. And not only that, men, work for us became much more difficult because of sin. Look down in verse 17 of chapter 3. Again, I'm trying to help you see what God created us to be Then sin entered the world and sin attacked and damaged every one of these key areas. Our worship, our walk, our wife, our wisdom, and even our work. He says there in verse 17, then Adam, he said, then to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles that shall grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you will eat bread till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. 
Here it is, God had given man the responsibility to cultivate the ground, to work the ground. And what a wonderful ground he had provided. And he provided the water source and all that man would need to just go out and just to work this ground. And it was going to be so productive for him. And yet now, because of sin, he says, the ground is going to be cursed. And then you're told you're going to eat of it all the days of your life, but now it's going to also be growing thorns and thistles. It's now by the sweat of your face you'll eat bread. Life was different because of this, even for a man and his work. But beloved, again, we as men can be and do as God has called us to do, even in the area of work, if we know Christ as our Savior and Lord, because then we're living under the Lordship of Christ. And so as I go to work, I work under the Lordship of Christ, desiring to be pleasing to my Savior, be pleasing to my God, knowing I'm not just working for the pleasure of the person that's over me. I'm working for the pleasure of my Savior. And not only that, when man was originally here, he really just had the, the, the joy and the blessing of living by the, just the wisdom of God, the will of God. There, there weren't competing ideas and there weren't these competing desires and, and thoughts and ideas in his own heart and his own mind and his own thinking. But whenever Adam and Eve chose to sin and eat of that fruit, beloved, they made that even harder for us as well. Because now it says in verse 7 of chapter 3 that the eyes of both of them are now open. And as God says of them in verse 22, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Something's changed about them. And not only that, there's, there's competing ideas. There's something out there that's going against the wisdom and the word of God. And we see that in the opening verses of chapter 3. That's the serpent who is the devil that is there that is wanting to challenge man and wanting him to, to doubt God's word and to doubt God and deny God and, and go against God. And we live in that same day and age now. where this world system is consistently and continually going against God's wisdom, God's word, God's will. And we have a responsibility as the word of God teaches us over in 2 Corinthians to take every single thought that we have captive to the obedience of Christ, to destroy Every lofty idea and speculation that is brought up against the wisdom and the word of God, we are to tear it down. Don't entertain it. Stay away from it. And let God's word be what you live by. And don't fall prey 
to the wisdom of this world. So beloved, when we're talking about being a godly man, it starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. So that you know what you're here to be and to do. So I ask you this morning, and what we may do next time is jump into the First Timothy 3 where we look at the character. It's not really just the character of a godly man, it's the character of a godly person. It's the character of a godly person. Because, let me, I'll just say this to you and then I'll probably repeat it again next Sunday. But this, when you read through that 1 Timothy 3, here's what you'll find. That there are two things in that passage that apply only to pastors. There are two things there that really apply only to pastors. And they're God-given. And it's this. That man's call to be a pastor and that man's capability to teach and preach as a pastor. That is something that is God-given to that man. And every man does not receive that God-given call to be a pastor and every man does not receive the God-given capability to teach and to preach God's Word. But every man is given the desire and the ability to develop the character that is described there in 1 Timothy chapter 3. So that's what we will look at. Because as we're going to see, beloved, it doesn't just apply to pastors and it doesn't even just apply to men. It applies to all of us. We can look over in other scriptures and some of these same qualifications of character that's spoken of for the pastor, it's called on for the women as well. But beloved, you can't be the man or the woman that God wants you to be unless you first know Christ as your Savior and as your Lord. So I want to ask you to bow your heads in prayer for a moment.